Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Hoags discuss the Twins' three-game series against the Cleveland Guardian. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis, and with me, special guest in studio, Andrew Hoags Hoganson, in place of Dan Thompson, who is making his way to Minnesota as we speak. And you get to fill in on an episode, Hoags, that I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I wasn't sure I was going to make it for because had they lost Game 3, Hoax, I would have died out of anger. Well, first off, it's kind of funny. I'm actually flying out to Washington, intending on visiting <laughs> Dan, and he decides to drive out to Minnesota just to make sure that we can't see each other. I mean, I planned this whole trip. I even got a race going on, all all just to see Dan. And no, you know what? He's he's just gonna he's just gonna skip it. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about this series. Could have been a lot worse. I'm definitely not as excited as I was when I got to talk about the Twins sweeping the White Sox, and now it's a uh, a two out of three loss to the Guardians. But hey, I mean, we got a lot to talk about at least. There is certainly, certainly some points we'll need to discuss. So with that, Hoax, let's go ahead and jump into the series recap. Series recap. Game one, Hoax. Real quick, before we get to each of the game recaps, is game one or game two more frustrating to you? Honestly, it's hard to tell. I think I think game two, just because the twins were up five to one and then ten to seven <laughs> in the ninth. But game one was just as frustrating too, because game two felt like we got beat. Game one felt like we gave it away with a lot of just stupid plays. We didn't we didn't look sharp in the field in game one. Is it, it was a frustrating game to watch. Cleveland wins this one six to five in pretty dramatic fashion. Extra inning. There's a lot of frustrations in this game. Well, first of all, we should point out Joe Ryan, his second start back from the COVID list, six innings pitched, three earned runs. He did get hit a little bit. He gave up seven hits, but again, only three earned runs, seven strikeouts, and a, and a home run. Here's the thing. If you go six, I don't mind the three earned runs. Truly, and I don't. I don't either. And if you look at the hits that he gave up, I have in my notes five blippy singles. I mean, they were just little Texas leaguers here and there. He never really got hit that hard. Uh, he didn't have the velocity that he's had. I think I still think he's kind of working back from COVID. I mean, we have to remember, it wasn't like he just was out for until he got a negative test. He was out for three weeks, so it hit him pretty hard. And I think he's still getting his conditioning back. And you could see that, but it was really encouraging to see him come on strong at the end of the game. And yeah, like you said, I'll take that. I'll I'll take that start from him any day. Yeah, so going into the seventh inning, it was a tie game, two to two. The Twins put three up on the board on a Luisa Rise home run, which every single time Luis Arise hits a home run, it shocks me. I, I, it shouldn't. Like, I know he's capable of it, but it's not going to happen often. And when he turns on it, my goodness, you knew that one was gone as soon as he made contact. Well, and let's be honest, that should have been his second one of the game. I mean, he yeah. barely hit that first one, hit about a foot lower on the wall there, and it would have been gone too. But yeah, he's he's showing a little bit of power lately. His, his plate discipline is just extraordinary. And watching him be able to wait on anything, and you're not going to blow a fastball past him because he can just poke at the opposite field. I mean, like you said in that interview, if you hit it the opposite way, you're going to make a lot of money. So he's got pitchers on their toes. And now, I mean, he's never going to hit 30 home runs in a year. But if he can if he can keep doing this, I mean, the guy's an all-star. 
guy. He definitely should be. And I was actually having a conversation with a couple of buddies about all-star voting because of the conversation we'd had on the podcast. And they had said one of the big things that's changed over the last few years is now when you're looking at your ballot, they have all of the stats laid out for you. So it's not just necessarily name recognition, and it's not necessarily you're voting for just your favorite team, but they've made the ballot in such a way that you really get to see how other players are performing. So you're not obviously picking a guy who shouldn't be there unless you're a diehard Twins fan like we are. (laughs) That actually makes a lot more sense, because if you look at the rosters of All-Star games in the last couple of years, it seems like it is more definitively of who's having a better year. So one other note here about Joe Ryan's start, he did manage to pick off Quan off first base, which Dan had talked a lot about how the twins have been run on quite a bit so far this season so to finally see a runner get thrown out and granted it was in a in sort of a broken pickoff play that they they managed to get him out but my goodness it's about time we got an out out of those that was a nasty move to first too like when you watch that replay like for a right-handed pitcher i mean that was beautiful yeah so one other last note on this game before we move to the more even more disappointing game too so again cleveland wins this one in extra innings but so buxton comes up to the plate after Luis rise hits the home run and then there's an MVP chant happening. Now, here's the thing. I thought for a minute, I'm like, are they are they doing this for Buxton or are they doing it for the guy who just hit a three-run homer who's batting with an average that's just astronomical? And I'm pretty sure it was for Buxton, which just seems like an odd time to be chanting MVP after the Arise home run. I think it was for Arise. Like, I, I think it was like kind of like a half curtain call that didn't like fully get all the way around because they did actually interview Arise after the game and said, what did you think of those MVP chants? And he was pretty, he's like, I don't know. So maybe he was kind of thinking it was okay. for Buxton too, but that, I, uh, it, it was it was interesting because he was like, I don't think I am, but that was cool to hear. So he, that 50-50, I guess. Well, that's interesting. That is interesting. I'm glad that they asked him about it and it does make me wonder now. I wonder what's going through his mind if he's like, wait, is that the is timing that was The timing was super funky because <laughs> it, it, it felt like it was way too delayed for it to be a rise, but then Buxton hadn't done, I mean, Buxton, let's be honest, played pretty terrible in game one, which I'm sure we'll get to him later, but... <laughs> <laughs> so with that game two you know they lose game one crushing fashion six to five game two happens and you think okay okay they seem to have a handle on it even if there are runs being put up the twins blow a lead late again pagan who again is likely going to make an appearance later in the episode twins lose this one 11 to 10 cleveland scores four runs in the top of the ninth inning hoax what what do you even do with that it, it was so frustrating because you you come back from a deflating loss like you said in game one where i mean Cleveland didn't even score in the top of the 10th and you think the twins are going to come around and win it in the bottom but then you you come back the next day and you get up five to one you start feeling good about yourself the guys are shaking it off and then that ninth inning just hit I mean ultimately we we kind of ran out of bullpen arms I mean Pagan ran out of steam he had a great eighth but he struck out the side in the eighth so uh yeah this one this one hurt a lot more because it just it felt like it was ours the whole game but I, I never I'll be honest I guess I'm going to contradict myself right now I didn't ever feel good in the ninth inning like I I had a nervous feeling the whole time because I didn't know who was going to pitch. No, well, and here's the thing. When they were up 10-7, I thought, okay, they got this. Like, in my mind, they had it. Like, it was just no question that they were going to win this game. And then that little bit of doubt starts to seep into your brain. And then you start asking yourself, if you were the manager, who do you call from the bullpen? <laughs> and then and then you start to think, they don't have this. 
They don't have this. What were you thinking? The Twins don't have this. They have no back-end bullpen arms. Yeah, there were no pitchers left. Like, I'm sure we'll get to it when we talk about Rocco, but I don't know what I would have done if we're being honest in that situation. I mean, you give up, you're looking good, then you give up two quick singles right away, and it's like, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) But so Urshela with a big game in this one, he goes three for four. Correa goes two for five. The thing about this game, outside of the roller coaster nature of it, there was sort of this feeling. I wasn't at the game. But you could really hear the crowd noise well for whatever reason. I mean, some games it sounds like you can hear the crowd a little bit better, right? But so in this game in particular, after Rosario's home run, you could hear the fans boo and they were not happy. And there was sort of a turn from a we're a first place team to the friggin' twins, right? Like there's just sort of this transition from we're number one to the friggin' twins. And then Gonzalez hits a home run. And that is the loudest boos I have heard at Target Field in a long time, Hogs. Yeah, it's it's I mean it's Minnesota Twins fandom right there. You just expect the worst and end up getting even worse than that. Yeah, you could you could feel it shift even just yeah, like watching it on TV, you could feel the the deflation happen and then just the anger. I mean it was like the seven stages of grief all in about yeah. three innings there at the end. Which well, brings us to of, game three. I uh, mean, I'm stunned, honestly, that they ended up pulling this one off. This out of the ones that they were gonna lose, right? If I gave you like the scores in the different points of the game and which game did you think that the twins won i would think that this one if you didn't know the outcome would be the one that you'd guess they lost but no twins come away with this one one to nothing carried on the shoulder by smeltzer going six innings pitched no earned runs only three hits three strikeouts lowering his era to 3.05 i feel a little guilty because last episode i was a little hard i was a little hard on Devin. bounced back huge hoax how important was six innings out of that guy with a depleted bullpen. I, I I just think this is a little hilarious. This game got us into a tie for first, and the stars of the game were Devin Smeltzer and Nick Gordon. Like, Nick Gordon. if I told you at the beginning of the season <laughs> that that was going to happen, I mean, you, you look at the stats of the first two games and who we had. I mean, we had Gray and Ryan in game one and two, and Correa was on fire. Nope, nope. Gordon and Smeltzer to the rescue, <laughs> keeping us in a tie for first place. I mean, I think that's something that we all need to remember here. It was a frustrating series. But we're still in first. We're still tied for first. This is a good team. Contrary to popular belief, and you guys, we haven't played anybody good yet. <laughs> we have. We've played some good teams. This is a good baseball team. I'm I'm going out on that limb. I'm saying it right now. So there's not there's not a lot of notes in game three because not a lot happened other than solid pitching from the Twins. But so after this series now, Cleveland has to go three against the Red Sox. We get three against the Rockies and then five games against Cleveland in Cleveland. This series against the Rockies is important. Nobody cares about the Rockies, right? But you need to go in to Cleveland It'd be great if you could be a gamer, game and a half up. I, I know you hate the whole momentum argument and everything, but that's why I think that winning this <laughs> game was. I, I, that's why I think this winning I this game was. You do hate it. You trash on it all the time. This I, game was so important. <laughs> Because now they have that momentum going into the Colorado series. It it feels like more of a brawl between them and the Indians, where if you walk away and you got swept at home and you know you're going to see him again in a couple days, like that, that's just that that's killer. It's hard not to get that in your psyche. So it was fun watching the guys celebrate at the end of that game. Well, and it's just frustrating to know that this series could have easily been a sweep for the Twins. So easy. I mean, a couple of different bounces, one better bullpen arm, a different trade than sending Taylor Rogers to the Padres for Paddock, who were not going 
going to see the rest even, of the season. Yeah, let's not even and talk Pagan, about that. Pagan, who I don't want to see the rest of the season either. <laughs> like, can you imagine? This it's would hard. have been a series sweep, Hogs. It's hard not to speculate about how we should be four games up right now. Like, it, it, I mean, it, it really is. Every game we have an argument. And you know, you can always, I always hate the argument where people are like, well, they probably think that they could have won game three. No, no. Any any neutral observer, you look at this game, is like, yeah, are both these three games, the Twins should have swept. I mean, that's the simple truth of it. All right. Well, with that, Hogs, let's go on to our segments. Puckett's Picks time. Do we My have favorite, to? Let's just skip segment. over it. Catch them all, Kirby Puckett. Puckett's Picks winner. Well, Hogs, typically, typically the loser does the uh, does the stat lines. But, Hogs, you have the pick for the listeners. You took Buxton. I took Correa. Dan took a rise. Buxton had negative two points on the, on the series. Here, a solid series for him. Real, real <laughs> that good. That is wrong. And respectably, Dan took a rise, and a rise had 10 points. And after the first game of the series, I thought, okay, going to be pretty difficult to stop a rise. And then my boy Correa just kept on chugging. Correa scores 12 points, which gives me the win. And so the current season standings, I have nine wins. The listeners and Dan are each tied with six. You have to start wondering what we're doing here. I mean, maybe it's time to take Correa off the board so that you're not going to be able to get him as much. But it, it, it is crazy. So, I mean, you guys have talked about this a lot. There's basically, I mean, there's not basically, there's three people that you can choose for Puckett's picks right now. And Arise is always going to get second, like almost no matter what. You know that he's going to get seven to 12 points and it's going to be consistent. It's just whether or not Correa or Buxton gets hot. And I mean, now we got some worries with Buxton having a sore knee. It sounds like they're hopeful that he can play on Friday, but I still agree. I think it's, I think it's those three guys for a while here still. It's interesting too. I do need to note that was my mistake. In my my, in my excitement to talk about my victory, I actually am at 10 wins, not 9 wins. All right, with that, Hoax, let's go Beast versus Bench. Beast versus Bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun. Well... I'm going to let you go first, Hoax, for your beast, because I am real excited about who you selected. Yeah, this one hurts a little bit. I'm giving it to Correa. He looked really, really good, especially in game two. His swing just looked fantastic. He was seeing those breaking balls great. And even on swings and misses, it was like, oh, that was a good swing. You know those swings where you can hear the crowd go, because they, they, they know it's a good swing. You can't even feel bad about that. He missed it, but he's he's looking really good. I'm excited about having him and his championship culture here. He, he's my beast. <laughs> yeah, he's a good pick. Just for a little bit of parody, I am going to give it to Smeltzer. This is Got sort of an yeah, honor. Pitchers who only play in yeah. one game. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was so important that you got a good start out of your starter in order to not have to rely on the bullpen who has been what just bullpen? dismal. Yeah, well, I mean, exactly. let's be honest. <laughs> exactly. So it was great to see Smeltzer give six innings. Just looked good. And again, I think even more than that, the bounce back from that Diamondback series where the outing just wasn't good for him. Just great to see that he didn't sort of spiral and he righted the ship. Yeah, absolutely. He looked great today. So who do you got on your bench there, Hoags? I put Buxton on my bench and I feel bad about this one because I feel like a Dan a little bit. He only played in one game and the only reason he didn't play in the other two is because he's hurt. That just kind of jogging after that that single that turned into a double and maybe it is because his knee is hurting him, but there, there were plays in game two that Celestino missed out in center field that if we would have had Buxton speed maybe would have been something different he struck out twice in game one also it's just he, he's been a little bit streaky this year and I know part of it is the injuries but that's a guy that we need to be producing if we're gonna go anywhere this year MVP MVP <laughs> No, sorry, that was for Correa. Sorry, that was confusing. Um, Yeah, so I am going to give it to Pagan. Again, this is more in in honor of Dan Thompson because he's not here to do it. (laughs) But frankly, if there was 
if I mean, there Pagan was pitched ever more than time, almost anyone else. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. If there was ever a time to put Pagan on the bench, it's blowing the save in game one and then in game two, giving up three earned runs to get Cleveland back in the game. Pagan deserves this one. Even had Dan picked him, had he been here, I wouldn't have mocked him. I would have been like, yes, that is a <laughs> solid selection. I was so ticked at Pagan. There's something I want to talk about with with Pagan, though. If in game one, uh, Joe Ryan struck out Fran Reyes on three fastballs. I mean, fastballs with Joe Ryan. We're talking 90, 91 that were up in the zone that Reyes just went chasing afterwards. So Reyes comes up in game two, or no, later in game one, and Pagan throws him all breaking balls, and he ends up hitting that home run. And it was weird to me because Smalley, who I actually really like on the broadcast quite a bit, he had a lot of insightful points, I thought, but was saying, feed him high heat feed him high heat and he didn't throw a single fastball and he hit a home run so i'm curious if that was pagan shaking off the catcher i think it was jeffers in that game or if it was the actual strategy of how to pitch to him it was just weird that it worked so well with ryan who throws 90 and then you got pagan in there who throws 98 and we changed the strategy so i was concerned about that it didn't make much sense to me yeah well with that hugs let's go to racco's rewind and we'll continue on this pitching trend for your uh, racco's rewind Rocco's Rewind. It's hard for me here to really blame Rocco that much. I know you guys joke all the time about he's great at managing losses, and he he truly (laughs) is, but... I feel like we're getting a little bit into 2021 bullpen where you anytime you're questioning his decision and then the follow-up question is, okay, well, who should he put in instead? I don't know. Like leaving Pagan in in game two is something that can definitely be questioned. He'd already thrown in game one. He didn't look great. And then in game two, he pitches the eighth and gets three fast strikeouts. And so they put him back in again, um, gives up two quick signals and Jax comes in. And next thing you know, the game's over. But I don't, I don't really know. Then the other, the thing that was really I did not understand at all and I don't know if there's a defense for this but it worked out well is pulling Duran in game three after he got a strikeout on yeah. three pitches in the ninth inning I know he's pitched a lot I don't know about you I did not feel great with Theobar coming in and what, no. what was going to end up happening I mean it worked out but it's just I don't know it, it is hard to pick at Rocco a little bit because I don't know would you we have rather had Duffy come in in game yeah. two there I don't know but it's, it's I've tough. made it clear I want Duffy in games where the twins are up by 10 11 runs and if they're down by six or seven that's when i want to see duffy so whenever you would see the turtle is when you want to see duffy it's basically Uh, that (laughs) no but to be fair when we talk about rocco managing losses we don't mean these games right like these losses are not (laughs) i agree (laughs) like no this was just bad like this wasn't like oh rocco's trying to figure out how to save arms because he knows they're gonna lose this is like two games they should have won and the bullpen just gets destroyed that's why both game one and game two hurt so much because yes we used all of our good good again air quotes bullpen guys and then you're like okay now what (laughs) okay so i have to talk about game one and the bottom of the 10th inning why on earth are you not having buxton bunt why is that not happening yeah you only need one run and you have correa coming up i mean that's okay that's the thing it is the best situation where you have a guy on second with no outs you have buxton followed by correa you're telling me you can't get a guy home from second and it's not because those guys aren't effective. It's because you chose not to have Buxton bunt. What yeah. are you doing? This is a script written for every home team 
when all they need is one run to start an inning where they get a runner on second. And this Buxton, is not rocket science. Buxton can bunt too. I mean, it's not like he's. I mean, yes. he is a power hitter now, and I I agree. If this was like if this was any other situation where you don't just need one run to win, let Buxton swing away. He's too valuable to sacrifice. But you need one run, and you have one of the top ten hitters in baseball coming up after him, only needing to put the ball into the outfield. Yeah, you have to bunt. There. Yeah, there, there's no other explanation for it. And this this gets along with the whole defeating the shift, and you're just swinging for the fences and all of that. It's the same old argument. Like I I love the home run just as much as anyone else, but you have to learn how to manufacture runs specifically with the guy on second. If you only need one run and it's an extra innings and the guy's on second, manufacture that run. Do whatever it takes. You should never lose that game. Quite infuriating. All right, well, let's keep going here. Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. I, I picked a weird one here. I picked Urshela's uh, force play out at home in, in game three when Smith had loaded the bases, and it was such a huge play. I mean, it's one to nothing. They had the bases loaded with no outs, and you get a grounder to third that Urshela flubs. Looks like he's trying to go for the double play, panics a little bit, and then throws home and gets the out, and we end up getting <laughs> out of the inning. But it felt like a little bit how the whole series was. Like, oh, looks like we have it. No, we don't. And then, okay, we're okay. And so it just it summed up the series for me really well. So that's why I picked it for my Minnesota moment. And it was a decent play, but it was just like way more dramatic than it needed to be. I think that's a solid choice. I'm going to go with hmm, the Arise home run that should have won game one or... Maybe the Urshela home run that should have won game two. Or maybe, I don't know, Pagan's implosions in both game one and game two. Whatever. I just, I don't want to pick a moment because honestly, you know, I'm, I'm taking notes as these games are happening about what I want to talk about on the podcast. And I'm like, so I make little notes about Minnesota moments. Like, okay, well, Arise Homer, that's clearly going to factor into the podcast. Clearly, this is a big moment in this series. Oh, well, you know what? Urshela's home run. That's got to be the Minnesota moment. Dear goodness. Keep a lead. Finish a game. What if Miranda oh hits goodness. it two Scratching feet farther, out, too? <laughs> oh, yeah. My goodness. Um, don't even get me started on Dick Brainwood's I was going to say the that. same thing. My Probably goodness. seven times in that entire game where you're like, oh, it's because I, I have kids. So a lot of times when I'm watching the game, yeah. I'm, I'm going around with the kids trying to make sure that everything's okay. And every time I hear that, you're just tuned to look over at the TV right away. Yes. I bet he got me seven times. And then yeah. <laughs> when there was a home run, he had me so trained that I was like, I'm not even going, I'm not even going to lift my head up right now and then i'm like oh and it's gone i'm like what <laughs> you made it sound like that was a lazy fly ball oh man so I... here's the thing with the miranda home run specifically at first it looked deep and it looked like Quan didn't have it measured as soon as that ball got to the outfield grass you could see Quan had it measured absolutely you shouldn't be calling it like it's still a home run it was the outfielder is sitting there no waiting waiting for the ball and bramer's like it's back and Quan makes the catch what are you why are you still talking like do you not see do you not see the man sitting there waiting for the ball to land in his glove i just we gave them so much (sighs) grace the last like in 2020 when it's like well they're not there so all they can see is the ball fly off the bat so okay yeah get a little excited he's got no excuse he's standing right there like i could even tell watching it on tv okay enough of this here hoax let's go to mauer's musings <laughs> i just don't know how it can get any better mauer's musings i'm gonna start us off hoax because yours sort of yours is a good follow-up to mine i think so two real questions one how much are you willing to give at the trade deadline to make a run this year and two do you believe hoax do you believe this team can make a run 
I believe that we will win. I believe that we will. I hate soccer. I shouldn't have even done that. But yeah, I I do believe. I think this is a really good baseball team. And I know the record doesn't really say it, but I'd give up a lot. I mean, we got Correa on probably a one-year contract. We got young arms. We got that life in the clubhouse that you always look for. We got Sonny Gray. Our starting rotation looks great. I don't think we're missing all that many pieces. Now, don't get me wrong. We are absolutely missing pieces. But I, I think <laughs> we're we not go... missing that many pieces, but we are definitely missing pieces. Two, two pieces. <laughs> we'll get to that in my question. <laughs> but I, I, I'd go for it. I mean, I'm a fan. I'm always going to say go for it. But especially this year, like I, I think this is a good team. And I think this team is a team that can hang with the better teams. I mean, look at how well we played against the the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Rays. Those are teams that would probably see in the divisional series. We can beat them. Now you're gonna you're gonna crap all over my parade right no, now. No, here's the deal. Do you even like the, the Twins, David? Do you even like them? <laughs> I always get this. I always get this. Yes, I like the Twins. I've just been a Twins fan for a long, long time. But so here's the big thing. I think it is a decent baseball team. We are playing in a trash division. I mean, but they, I no, I don't garbage. agree with that. The the Guardians just took two out of three against the Dodgers on the road. I think this is a better division than people give it credit for. And the White Sox are going to play better once they if fire was- Larusa. <laughs> If there was a hoax dumb segment, this would be it. This would yeah, be. Yeah, let's it. play it. Let's play it again at the end of the year. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not taking this out of context and saying Andrew Hoganson thinks the AL Central is the best division in baseball. As I just gave you the clip, I guess. But. <laughs> I am willing to give up some minor pieces from the minor leagues, but I am not willing to give up big names out of our system for relievers. I'm not saying we trade Kirloff tomorrow or anything like that, but I'd give up Austin Martin. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That's something. That's definitely not nothing, I'd say. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just not sure yet. I'm not sure. I have a lot of faith in the front office. I think they've made some good moves outside of the Taylor Rogers move as of late. But uh, other than that, Donaldson. they've made a... Uh, the original well, one. So, the second yeah. one was great. Oh, the second one. The second one was the greatest trade in Twins history, yeah, I think. No, I, it's get rid of that guy. Other than Shannon Stewart, maybe. That was a good uh, well, one. <laughs> that's good. Um, anyway, what do you got for us, folks? Can you piggyback off my musing? Yeah, it kind of ties into mine. I mean, I... I think it's pretty clear with watching these games that we need more bullpen help. And so my question is, do we go and get that now? I mean, there's not a lot of trades that happen right now because you don't know who's a seller and who's a buyer. But with the right offer, I think we could get a guy. And is it worth going after them now and maybe giving up a little more than you would have to? Because, I mean, it's dire on what our bullpen needs are right now. So would you would you pull that trigger now if the opportunity arose? I don't want to see major pieces go, but I don't know how you're going to get a true, you know, effective postseason reliever without giving up something of value. Yeah, I mean, we have Joan Duran back there and who looks absolutely incredible, but we need more than that. I mean, I don't even think you can argue about that. And I think a lot of people think we need another starter too, which I think is debatable. We could use another one, but we need a high-end bullpen reliever now, or we're going to keep losing those high leverage games that you should be winning in those situations. Yeah, and Ober's going to come back and Winder's going to come back. And granted, Winder, we saw a very, very small amount of Winder, but he looked effective in his starts. So at this point, you got Archer, Bundy, Smelzer, Gray, Ryan. You have a clear one, two, three out of those three. And then you have Archer, who's going to need to be paired with somebody else for length. If I had to choose right now, I'm definitely taking relievers. If I could choose one starter or two relievers, two relievers all day. If I could choose one starter or one reliever, one reliever all day. Yeah. <laughs> like this, this back it end is, bullpen. It's interesting too, because 
Maeda's coming back also, and he has pitched in the bullpen before for a for the very Dodgers. good team if we want to. Yeah. So I don't know if he, I don't think he wants to do that long term. Obviously, that's part of the reason he really was excited about coming here. But I mean, we maybe have that help. But again, that's not till later in August. So what a boost, though. Can you imagine oh, if he comes back? And even like you said, I think that's a great idea. He's coming back from Tommy John. You put him in the bullpen or even pair him with Archer for those, you know, so you can get six innings out of those two guys. For sure. And then maybe you move Winder into the bullpen. I, I don't know. But it's fun seeing Maeda on the bench now. He, I think he's a good guy for this team to have around. And it's fun seeing him back with the team. Except for in Tampa when he caused the yeah, team that to lose. was hilarious. <laughs> I love that guy. He's, he's great. All right. Well, let's go ahead and grade the series, Hoax. Series grades. I'll uh, I'll let you go first. I gave it a C. I I'm probably with recency bias after after seeing the game today, but it <laughs> I I think you're the reason that you may or may not have given them a lower grade is kind of the same reason I gave them a higher grade cuz I felt like they could have won all three. <laughs> that is that is the most true thing I think you've ever said on the podcast, Hoax, because I gave them a D minus because I am so upset about how close they came to winning game one and game two and the ways that they lost it. I was honestly, my wife was on the couch. She could see I was visibly upset after game two. Like I was unhappy after game one and then I got happy when the twins were up 10-7 in game two and when they lost I was visibly angry I had to keep telling myself it's a 162 game season and there will be more and you shouldn't be this upset in the middle of June but yeah I turned off the tv and I just sat there in silence for a while and I was like June June I just kept saying it over and over again in my head but yeah that was oh all right Herbie's headline hose looks like you brought something to the podcast to talk to us about I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. Herbie's headlines. Yeah, so the the Astros were up seven to two in the eighth inning, and Jose Siri hit a home run and just decided to do a bat flip, stand at home plate, and watch it for a while, and just just stood there for ten seconds and enjoyed the bomb that he had just hit. And as he's routing third, Eduardo Escobar starts yelling at him, and we got a whole brouhaha going on with all of it. And it just I love all of these moments that happen because it brings up the story of the unwritten rules after the game. Dusty Baker was like, yep, he should have just run. His own manager, yep, he should have just ran and he shouldn't have just stood there. You know what? I hate it. If you hit a bomb like that, I don't care what you're up by. You want to, man, if I hit a ball, I'm not a major league baseball player, if I hit a ball 450, you can bet your butt that I would stand there and watch that thing fly out of the stadium. And the thing that I feel about unwritten rules is, yeah, they're there. If you decide to break them, like he did, let's be honest, then you get thrown at the next time. And you can't be mad about it. So I, I, th- I, li- I like baseball policing itself like that. And I have no problem with people breaking it. I hate it when managers are like, he shouldn't have done that. Yeah, show a little passion in the game. It's fun. It's a kid's game. When you're a kid, if you hit a if you hit a homer in, in Little League, did you just round the bases and act like you'd been there before? No, because you probably hadn't been there before. My goodness. Fans want an ejection. There it goes. And that was Gardy's gripe. Wow, Hogue's getting fired up here. I love it. I love it. I, I do have to say, did you see that Josh Donaldson also recently uh, recently decided to do a little bit of bat flip? So he get he gets pegged his first time at the plate, second time <laughs> at the plate, just jacks one and just 
throws the bat, takes his sweet time rounding those bases, but there was nobody chirping at him there. I have a little bit of, re- well, no, I don't have almost any respect for Josh Donaldson. Like, not when he was a twin, not when he was a Yankee, not when he was a Brave, not when he was a Blue Jay. I've never, like, had a bunch of respect for Josh Donaldson. However, however, if there's ever a time where I think maybe gloating a little bit after hitting a home run it's after you got hit your last time up i think i think that's reasonable it's a ball game we have to remember that it's a game out there it's okay to have a little bit fun and like on the donaldson thing i actually try not to follow the yankees unlike dan thompson who just likes to talk about (laughs) and gloat about how great they are i mean i i still can't get over this he was so excited about the yankees doing well i'm totally fine you guys want to talk about the yankees going on an epic 17 game losing streak for herbie's headlines let's talk about about it. Let, let's dive in. I know we all know the Yankees are 50 and 17 or whatever they are right now. We don't need to be reminded of that. Like a, a neutral podcast. Let's go in and talk. Hey, hey, David, have you heard the Yankees are having a historically great year? I think that's cool. It is not cool. I don't ever want it. I mean, I cannot tell you how much I hate that team. All right. Well, let's keep going. Let's do Puckett's picks here for the here upcoming today. Rocky series. And and then we'll do uh, we'll do your your David and Dan's dumb segment uh, after the fact. And we'll see you Puckett's picks. So Puckett's picks, hoax. Here you are in studio. You get first pick off the board. Who are you taking? Well, I'd be a bit hypocritical after the lecture that you and I guess I gave myself earlier about letting you get away with Correa. So I'm going to take Mr. Carlos Correa and his championship culture. Let's go win one for the listeners. <laughs> the old championship culture. You love that reference, hoax. You text that great. to me. It's so awesome. You text that to me like twice a week. You're like, the championship is, culture. The thing is, is, I believe him too. Like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. So I'm, it's really not making fun of him. It's just show of respect <laughs> um okay well dan is going to take a rise off the board and just yeah, out of 10 were, points i guarantee yeah. he's getting 10 points <laughs> if if you're curious so dan sent his picks ahead of time he said i want a rise then kirilov then kirilov what do you know about well, that? he did say last week that he was considering picking kirilov and then kirilov went, kirilov went off in game one so i'm sure that was like irking him a little bit but i mean a rise still probably scored more than kirilov last yeah, this is tough, though, because I, yeah. I don't really want to take Buxton because I'm just not sure what he's going to bring. And so, with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and take Alex Kirilov. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and here's the thing. Historically, when I've done this, the guy almost always wins when yeah, I take or, someone yeah, who Dan is going to pick. <laughs> so, well, I'm just everyone, really hoping. Kirilov's going 8 for 10. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, here we go, Hogs. It's your time to shine. David and Dan's Dumbs. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. David's Dumbs. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Dan's Dumbs. All right. Well, I haven't been on the podcast in a while. So unfortunately for the listeners, I'm going to reach back a little bit. But there was an episode maybe about three weeks ago where you were so excited that you had called a Buxton Homer and you texted both of us and you have all the receipts that you can show because it happened two minutes before. If they pitched to him right here, he's going to happen. Okay. There's more to the story, folks. David texts that seven times a game, like seven times a game. 
Of course you're going to. I mean, honestly, it's embarrassing that he's only gotten one this entire year. Because when you're throwing that many darts, you're going to hit the bullseye one of these times. So I just, I, I, I really need you all to know that that was not anywhere near as impressive. Frankly, it's less impressive than it, it just getting it right. I mean, he only got one. Only one. Think seven times and we played 71 games. That's what, 497 picks that he's had. He's one for 497. That's embarrassing, folks. Okay. Okay. I will fully admit, I will fully admit that I have sent texts calling a home run where it didn't happen. Now, I'm not the only one in this text thread who has done that, but but not seven times a game. What I don't know you if you've ever heard about? me bragging about getting any of them right. So we just, we got to set the record straight here. <laughs> okay, what else you got, Hoax? This one is for you. This one is for Dan. This one is for every Twins reporter. And I already kind of alluded to this earlier. I am so sick of saying that this team hasn't played anyone good. And now that they have, and I wish I could have done this one after we just, like before we didn't get beat two out of three to the Guardians here. But that whole stretch against the the Yankees, the Rays, and the Blue Jays, they won two out of three against the Blue Jays in Toronto. And then they lost two out of three to the Yankees, but they were competitive in every single one and then came back and beat won the series against the Rays. This is a good team who has played good teams. We can stop with that stupid narrative and just and just move on. We're in a battle for the Central. We're one of the better teams in the American League. That is indisputable at this point in time. Let's go. Let's let's have a little faith, guys. Let's go. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you calm down, and I will send us out. Thank you, Hoags, <laughs> so much for filling in for Dan Thompson. I'm sure he is eager to listen to your thoughts. I'll see you in Washington, Dan. Oh, wait. No, I won't. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win and find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available. If you could leave us a rating, that'd be great. A reminder that episodes are now available on our YouTube channel. And if you could drop us a like and a subscribe, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!